once again. This is Nuance. Of course, I'm Mike Scala, and we're talking about Florida adventures, the things going on in the new year. Welcome to 2024. I am Mike Scala, like I said, joined by Timid, aka Jay Carter. He is the hip hop artist extraordinaire and the host, the host, the chair of BLM Tokyo, of course, co host of Nuance. What's going on, Jay? What's up? What's up? What's up? Happy New Year, one and all. Yes, absolutely. Omedeto. Right. All right. Not bad, not bad. Of course, we have a special guest with us this week. We've got media specialist Isaac Asari, who's also here in Florida with us. What's going on, Isaac? Greetings. So wanted to bring Isaac on because we have had some distinctly Southern experiences on the way down to Florida that I wanted to talk about. Interesting because we've done this trip a number of times and I don't think we've ever really encountered this type of Southern culture on the way down and even in Florida until now. So I found that to be interesting. Maybe it's a coincidence, maybe it's a sign of the times. I'm not quite sure, but I can tell you in North Carolina, well, North Carolina is kind of a funny one, but then in Georgia and also in Florida, we, we've had our experiences already. Is it anything like the, uh, the the Southern experiences that we experienced in Florida? Oh, well, that's a different bag of chips. Uh, yeah, no, thankfully, no, it wasn't anything. Well, what kind of experience was that? <laughs> the police. <laughs> yeah. Pulling us over, pulling everything out of the car, bringing the dogs out for no reason whatsoever. Well, yeah. no good reason, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. In, in their mind, they had a reason. And, you right. Know, you can certainly read between the lines there. What they told us was that the New York license plates was a thing. And they said they have a lot of experiences. I don't know if it's true or not, but they said people smuggling drugs from New York into Florida or whatever. Um, you know, I think it, it was a bit more than that. <laughs> yeah, especially that 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 town is known for that type of activity, that type of behavior. Those police there are known for that. No, it wasn't anything of the sort. We'll start off with the lightest one and, and knock on wood that we don't experience that, right? Okay. <laughs> In North Carolina, we went to a local spot trying to get breakfast and coffee. And it wasn't a Waffle House. You know, it wasn't one of the major chains, one of the major places that a lot of tourists might come to. It was really more of a spot that locals probably frequented, right? Mm. And it had a drive through and so we decided to check it out. But I pulled into the drive-thru and I asked them, I said, you guys have coffee? And they completely did not understand what I said. So because of the accent, right? So I said, coffee. They said, uh, did you say, give me a minute? And I said, no. I said, do you have coffee? And they said, did you say, do you want Pepsi? And I said, no. I said, do you have coffee? And it, it went on. And so then eventually I had to change up the accent and I said, coffee, do you have coffee? And then they got it and they were like, oh no, 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 we don't serve coffee here. And so that was, I think the first time I've been in the South where my New York accent caused me an issue. So I just didn't understand me at all. That's very, very weird. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very surprised at that. I mean, you don't have 
it's not like a heavy New York yeah. accent. You said coffee like a normal coffee, and even <laughs> and even when you said coffee, it just that sounds yeah. more Boston. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to overcompensate at that point, but then I was joking. I was like, I should have leaned into the New Yorker right at that point, and when I didn't understand coffee, I should have said, "I said, do you have coffee?" Right, right, right. I wonder if their speaker must have been bad quality or something. I don't blame it on the speaker. I think it's because they didn't get the accent. Okay. Because I, I changed it up and I said, coffee. I said, coffee. They were like, no, no, we don't have coffee. Yeah. Hot drink, beans, you know what I mean? Like, come yeah. on. Yeah. It's just funny. Right. Now you're starting to feel almost like you're in another country, right? When you don't understand right. each other's language. And so that was, you know, that was cute. That was just a, one experience. Then we went into Georgia and this actually was kind of charming in its own way also because the lady that we encountered in Georgia seemed really nice and wholesome, even though what she was saying, I think was, I, don't, I won't say distinctly Southern, but certainly Southern flavored, right? Because this was the gas station attendant now at Georgia, but not the one who who pumps gas. You know, you can pump your own gas. That's not like New Jersey. So, you know, we pumped our own gas. We went into the little store at the gas station to buy some snacks and, and drinks for the road. And the lady brought up politics, right? And she even said, she's like, I'm not a politician. And... It was kind of random, kind of. I think it started because Isaac asked, "How's your New Year's going so far?" Right? Mm, yeah, yeah. So I think it was one of these things where she's like, "Well, you know, so far so good, better than last year." And then she kind of went on her own tangent about, "Well, I'm no politician, but uh, you know, and I don't pretend I, I know all the answers either. But I've been paying attention lately, and they really screwed up on COVID." And then she started going on and on about how the government didn't handle COVID correctly. Mm -hmm. So to tell you the truth, I'm not even sure what side that she fell on, right? I don't know if her view was the government didn't do enough or if her view was the whole thing is a big conspiracy and, you know, and COVID doesn't exist. I'm not sure where, you know, what she was getting at, but she definitely made a point and we weren't talking about COVID, but she made a point to go there, right? A random conversation she had to go into, you know, COVID bad, basically. Well, I think her whole point was... Um Overall, it has things hasn't been better since um, COVID. They have not been better. They have not been better. Yeah, because I asked how you know her year was gone, and it's like, uh, you know, things, you know, they dropped the ball on COVID. That's kind of how she started off. Right, but how her year is gone? The year is only two days old at that point. So, yeah, but you know, if you say that over here right now in Japan, uh, there's been a lot. <laughs> Japan's not starting Within the up. last three days. Yeah, well, January 1st was uh, a pretty major earthquake. Mm -hmm. uh, January 2nd, there was a, an explosion and fire of an airplane at the airport in Tokyo. January 3rd, uh, uh, a major outdoor mall uh, in one of the cities caught fire and went ablaze. So I'm curious what the news is going to be for today. It's like Japan needs to chill out. It's only three days in. Like you still got a lot to go. Pace yeah, yourself. Yeah, pace yourself, 24. Pace yourself. Yeah, like, that's... So. But, now, but now you only know it's only up from there. Yeah. <laughs> All the bad stuff's out the way. Well, you, you, you would have thought that after the earthquake on the first. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Yeah. So, I mean, that, uh, uh, I mean, was one of you guys wearing a mask or something? I mean, like, because nope. for her to just randomly bring up COVID out of the blue. Yeah, that was, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, I think her. I mean, she was just saying things just haven't been better since COVID. 
Right. Uh, but you also made a point and say that the government didn't do a good job of COVID. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. She. Yeah. Made. Like, yeah. It was clear that that's what she meant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. True, true. True. But she was. She seemed like a nice lady. You know, I'm not, I'm not knocking her at all. But it, right. it was interesting. You know, we, we have this North Carolina experience, then we get to the gas station in Georgia, and they start complaining about COVID, and it's like, okay, I'm starting to feel like I'm in the South, right? Uh, what about Florida? Anything happen? Yes. So speaking, <laughs> speaking Florida. of Florida, right? Yeah, Florida is going to Florida. Uh, right. This is the most, I would say, distinctly Southern experience that we had because for some context, my girlfriend has been sick and she thinks that she might have COVID. She's not sure. And she's back in New York. So she took some COVID tests, I guess, that were inconclusive. I don't know if the tests were expired and didn't really have a conclusive result. So she asked me to take a COVID test. Now, I'm not feeling sick, and I last saw her, I think, five days ago now. So I most likely don't have it. But just to be safe and maybe to see if that's where she could have gotten it, she wanted me to take it as well. So I've tried to get my hands on a COVID test since getting down here. And uh, first CVS I went into, they said they were all out. Then I think we went to a second CVS, also didn't have it. Isaac calls a library, I think, to see if they had one, and he got some pushback, right? Yeah, they're pretty much. They're they're like, yeah, you're, you know, we don't have it. Like, I don't think you're gonna get it around here, basically. Like, they were shocked that I actually called to ask. You know? And I Why guess so a little bit of background, like, I guess most where I'm from, like, you know, the Maryland, the DC area, you can get it at the local library. So uh -huh. I called the library just to see if, you know, if they had extras. And they're like, no, nah, we don't carry it. And I don't think I know anyone that has it, basically, <laughs> is what they said. Right. They basically said you're not going to find a COVID test right here because we don't really think COVID is a serious thing. Right. You're not going to find none of that nonsense <laughs> around here, boy. Yeah. You, you've been practicing your Southern accent, huh? <laughs> Man, I grew up in the South, too, so, you know. <laughs> Oh, that's the southern southernness coming out of you, huh? Yeah, man. Well, it's not appropriation as you're getting in touch with your roots. Right, right. Um, so did you find one? <laughs> <laughs> we went to a few different places so, and they basically laughed at us. Yeah. Like, so the second CVS should have it. I mean, you well, well, the second CVS's. The second CVS told me, um, come back on Friday, we should have some more. <laughs> oh. After so maybe they out. If I did have it, I probably would be, you know, gone already by then. Right, right. Wow. I don't think I have it because I feel I don't have any symptoms. I know it's possible. Maybe I'm not feeling symptoms of it, but like I said, my girlfriend is feeling sick, and so I think she, if she did catch it, it was from somewhere else. And luckily, I don't think I have it, right? Because I think I would have known by now. Five days, now nah, you would you would know by now, um, unless you've picked it up from someone else between that time, but. Um, if the last time you had exposure to her was five days ago and you're not sick, then yeah, you, you probably don't have it. Right. Yeah. So that's the Florida experience so far. That's the Southern, I should say the entire Southern experience we've had so far, you know, luckily nothing really catastrophic, nothing like what we had to deal with, which is pretty bad. So let's keep it that way. Yeah, man. Later on. Yeah. So you know, I got to say that this house that we're in is a very nice house here. Um, beautiful pool. You know, there's a barbecue outside. If the weather is really nice this week, maybe we'll do some barbecuing. 
Uh, it's a really cool place to hang out. I definitely want to finish up the mixes. I've been saying that now is like I got space to do it. I think I should have the time now. I want to finalize the mixes of this album. Let's get this done. And this is a perfect environment, I think, to do it. Yeah. Isaac, you should have brought your camera. Y'all could have shot a video or something there. Oh, yeah, no. music video. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, man, you should have brought your camera. Look at look at you. Just yeah, I haven't, I haven't done any camera work in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Well, why don't you what? send me Almost your camera? Was, send me that camera. What was it? The the what was it? The, the black, black magic. Send it to me. You don't need it. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Yeah, I mean for price. <laughs> Let's do some porn stars negotiating. Best I can do is five dollars. I got five on it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So, of course, thank everyone for tuning in and joining us. In the chat, we were going to talk about New Year's resolutions. I think that was going to be the poll question. And so while we're yeah. at, do we personally have any New Year's resolutions? We'd actually had this discussion, if you recall, Jay, last year on Nuance. And my thought at the time was I try not to come up with resolutions just for the new year. I try instead to work on myself throughout the year. And it's something that I want to achieve. I don't put it off until the New Year's. You know, I just, just try to do what I do throughout the year. Right. Uh, I will say, I'll go last, but I do have a resolution this year, although it may just be the timing of it, right? Because it's something that I've been thinking about for a while and now I'm thinking, yeah, you know what? One thing I would like to get better at is this, right? So I can call that a resolution because I'm thinking about it now. So in the meantime, do you guys have any resolutions? Well, I I think I mentioned last week I, I wouldn't I don't know if it's a new it's not a new year's resolution because I started it about a, about uh 2 3 weeks ago. Um but it's something I'm trying to keep up on. Um I noticed that my Japanese skills especially reading was starting to suffer. So um I made a resolution that every day I was going to read at least two news articles uh, in Japanese. Oh. And so, so far, I'm about three weeks in. I've, I've kept up to that. And that's just to start so I can get that back. So I started noticing when I'm looking at things, looking around, I'm like, kanji that I know I'm used to know. having the difficulty Japanese characters, right? Kanji? Right, right. And having difficulty remembering what they mean or how to pronounce them. And so... Um, you know, looking or, or look at a wall at like a, a, a document or look at something and I still get that feeling like, ah, this is going to be a pain in the butt looking at it. And it needs to be a little bit more natural. And so to do that, you got to have more uh, practice, reading experience and practice. So, yeah, I made that that resolution, I suppose, to start with reading at least two articles, news articles uh, every day. So I've been on that. Okay. And I assume that you've <laughs> you haven't given up on that one yet. No, no. Like I said, it's been about three weeks now, and every day I've got it locked in. I, you know, I'm I'm on it. So, all right. Are you giving yourself credit for time served? So, if you let's say stop it after the first week of December, will that count as a full year because you did three weeks of the previous year? Um. No, I, I, you know, I'll go through. Like I said, it wasn't really something I was like, oh, I'm going to do this in the new year because I started it before. But I mean, it's yes, something I'm going to try to keep up. Right. right. So, right. Yeah, it's actually interesting how you do yours. because That's kind of how I do mine. I'm a you know big resolution guy. Um, 
But then like before the year ends, you know, I'm like, all right, next year I'm going to do this. But then I'll start it early. So once the year starts, it's like a normal thing. And then I just continue to do it. Um, but last year, actually, I went from, you know, just doing resolutions to goals, you know, pick like three major things I'm going to do in a year. And luckily, I was able to do it last year. This year, I haven't said it yet. Um, but then, you know, while here, I'm going to try to sit down and really think about what I want to accomplish this year and then just write it down and then, you know, knock it down this year. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I feel, I feel that. I've got a few projects I want to get. I need to get done as well. So it's the same type of vibe. Yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. It's funny how when the year turns, it sometimes kicks us into gear, right? Or it makes us being, oh, man. I don't know if it reminds us of the fact that we're getting older or something, but we, we suddenly start to take notice of it, right? Oh, it's, it's the new year to change from 23 to 24. Like, I better get this thing done. Or, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's kind of an arbitrary distinction, right? It's just any other new day. But for right. some people, it feels like heavier, right? Yeah, I think the pressure comes from reflecting on the year too, though, because like around right. December, you start thinking like, you know, what have I been doing all year? Right. And then you start to realize, okay, well, you know, like I didn't do this, I didn't do that, and then you're like, all right, I gotta get, you know, I gotta get it done, and that kind of pushes you through the year. Yeah. And in that, in that same vein, I was just thinking about, um, and I was actually gonna write a, a post about this because, like you said, a lot of people do that. And I think people do that and we can get down on ourselves, be like, oh, well, I, I wanted to do this all year, but I didn't get to do it. And so then you start to, to get down on yourself about it, but maybe reflect on what you were what you were able to accomplish throughout the year uh, to, to show at least to show yourself that you did do something. You did work on something, work towards some goals. And so I've been thinking about what it is that I did last year uh, that you know, that that I wanted to get done instead of what I didn't get done. So. Right, right. But you wanted to get done instead of what you didn't get done? R right. What I did, what I was able to accomplish instead of what I wasn't able to accomplish. So okay. focusing on the positive instead of focusing on the, the negative of what it was. That's important, so, right? I think yeah. people need to do more of that in their life. And you hear... Right this kind of set as advice right people will sometimes say oh focus on what you do have not what you don't have and things like right. that i think it's important that we do that because we do tend to always think in terms of goals but when you do that i think there is a slippery slope there where you could end up putting too much pressure on yourself or even being hard on yourself getting down on yourself because you're setting all these goals which comes with the implication of things you haven't yet done, like you said. And so right. be critical of yourself. Oh man, I haven't done all these things I wanted to do. And so it is important to think of how far you've come, right? And think right. about that. If you have certain goals you want to achieve this year, well, there's a good chance that means you were able to do things in the prior years to put yourself in a position to get those things done this year. And so maybe be right. grateful and, and appreciative. You know, give yourself some some credit for getting to where you got. Because otherwise I think maybe we beat ourselves up too much. Absolutely. And and we should also do things like setting smaller incremental goals instead of looking at just this one massive goal. Because if you look at it like that, then it can be very daunting, right? You can get intimidated by by it. But if you set these small goals, and I actually had written a guest post, a uh, guest article on a a running blog a few years back, um, and you know I I had done this running program it was a a five k running program, and I don't like jogging um but 
uh, <laughs> I mean, the idea of just constantly running was just like, but I was able to complete it. And so the points that I made in the article was that when running, especially for someone who doesn't like it, if you try to think, oh, I've got to run five kilometers, right? I've got to run for the next 30 minutes. That's a whole sitcom episode. You're just going to be running. Um, it's very daunting. But if you're on there jogging and you look and you see a tree 100 yards away and you think in your head, I'm going to make it to that tree. And then you make it there and then you look at the next one. I'm going to make it to that one. So you're having these mini victories along the way. And it's a little bit more manageable in that way. And so if we do the same thing with goals, then um, right. we'll probably do a little bit better. When they say you know, the journey of a million miles starts with the first step or something like that. I like it and all that, but I got to say, like, you know, when I start running, <laughs> it's more I start thinking like, all right, you know, now my knees hurt. Now my legs hurt. <laughs> I can't think of anything. <laughs> well, you got to build up to it. You can't just start running. Because that was a that was actually a goal that I it was it's been years now, but I, I set and because I remember I, I would run. I figuring like whatever my fitness level was at that time. And I could run for like 60 seconds and I'd be out of breath of like, this is ridiculous. This makes no sense. And so I'm like, I, mean, I need to do something about this. And then so um, my sister put me onto this app, uh, this the, the couch to C to 5K, couch to 5K. And it was a running program for like eight, an eight week running program, three times a week. And you just put the app on and it tells you start running start walking, start running, start walking. And you you just follow it for that eight weeks. And it was very manageable, very doable. And I was able to do, do it. And, you know, I haven't done it in years, but, um, you know, I, I got out and did some running this uh, this summer after I came back when I was at a little bit of that, that uh, vacation weight. Um, and I was still able to, you know, run really well. So, uh, it's it's doable so try that it takes it very slow so yeah the knees and all uh, so how was your uh 5k like how how um how was your pace um i think i when i clocked the last one it was about 33 or 34 minutes so it wasn't very fast but um yeah well like around 12 12 minute mile um, My math is low. <laughs> I don't know what, what what that what that works out as mile wise, but it was it, it wasn't yeah like I said I wasn't running for speed I was running for distance. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think it was about a 33, 34 <laughs> minute. Um, you know, and um. <laughs> my my sister and my mother make fun of me because uh you know I did it in um. In flip flops, so really, that was yeah. I did my oh, sorry, thirty two minutes fifty three seconds. So it was about yeah, a that's, six. That's really good pace. So in flip flops, oh, yeah. I don't know. If yeah, I heard um, it's actually better just to run in. Um, well, that's know, like either barefoot or like you know something. <laughs> right. Well, that's what it was. Like, see, like what you were talking about, your knees and all this. And that here's the thing with yeah. with running. 100% of runners get injuries and I didn't want to get injuries. And so 
the you know the more natural running style is that we run barefoot or with minimal protection a lot of times the shoes and the arches the fake arches that are in the shoes um, can contribute to it especially the padding in the shoes and so what the padding in the shoes does it makes us um not register the impact the, right. the extent of the right. impact that we're putting onto the ground and, and so yeah and that's what we're doing we're overstressing it and so i wanted to have as little as possible and i couldn't find any thin shoes here that had that because you have the minimalist shoes that type of thing i couldn't find any so I just put on my flip-flops. I'm like, I remember, you know, when I was young in Hawaii, running around, we'd, we'd run around, you know what I mean? Like, you run like that. <laughs> I did that, and all my running since that, I probably put 100 kilometers on those flip-flops wow. by now. So, yeah. And no injuries, and, you know, it was all good. No, so. All right. So, my New Year's resolution is uh -oh. to come up with a better way of answering the question, what kind of law do you practice? Or what kind of cases do you do? Because mm. I've said for a while now, election law and civil litigation, right? But mm. I find that the civil litigation part confuses a lot of people and they'll assume that I'm doing divorces or personal injury. They'll start asking me about workers comp and things like that. But I tend to do, and you know, I do a wide variety of cases, but I tend not to do those types of cases, really. I don't really do any cases on contingency. I do cases normally about and see, here's the thing i want to have a, a quick way of saying without having to go into a whole big explanation right but just to kind of set this up you know cases where maybe people have an issue with the city something that's going to affect a lot of people not necessarily just one person right because right. maybe the city is doing something wrong and you might have one plaintiff or a small group of plaintiffs but if you have a successful action right if you win your lawsuit that's going to change the city's policy on something right I've done cases testing the bounds of the First Amendment as it relates to the press. Where does freedom of speech clash with defamation? And again, these are kind of precedent setting cases or, or testing cases, you know. Um, so what's the, what's a good way of describing that? I actually went to chat GPT and asked them for advice. I mean, these are the kind of cases that I do. They really didn't come up with a good answer because their explanation was very wordy, right? I gave right. them an example of cases that I did and it came up with one long sentence. I basically described all the different cases I said. I'm looking for like something simple, like a quick buzz term or something that I can say that'll kind of make people understand without going into too deep of an explanation. So the best I've been able to come up with so far is yeah, I just lost it. So you're shaking your head and I lose my confidence. Uh, I was going to say high impact, not high impact, high profile, right? Most of the cases I do, and I don't want to sound pretentious, but they're more high profile. <laughs> they're the kind of cases that you might read about in a paper, again, because they have implications beyond just the one client, usually, right? Again, if you're suing the city, right? If, uh, you know, sometimes it's a matter of the city not providing the proper oversight over a housing cooperative. Well, that's going to have wide reaching implications. And so, high profile community cases i think best describes most of the work that i've done i was just gonna say you could say i do election law and i sue the city <laughs> but it isn't always <laughs> suing the city though I, I, it's, it's, it isn't always that that's a common example of it right but sometimes for example it could be against a newspaper it could you know there are, there are right. different scenarios but usually it involves more than just that one client it isn't usually like the client versus their landlord and whatever happens only affects that those parties usually it's reaching beyond that not always i mean i've done and that's why i, I don't want to put myself in that box either but 
to kind of describe it as the elevator pitch for people. Well, what kind of cases do you do? Because they ask every lawyer that, right? They ask you that a lot. And I want right. to have a good, snappy answer where, you know, it just kind of gives them a sense of what I do. Civil litigation is too broad of a term, I think. You, you know, and, and I've tried to keep it broad over the years because I do all different types of cases and I want to be able to take all different types of cases. I don't want to box myself out. But, you know, I've noticed, especially, I guess, as time has gone on, I've been able to refine that description a little bit more, right? Because I have years of experience. Like I say, okay, over these past 10 years, this is mostly what I've done. And in, right. cases, in that type of case, because you develop a reputation in that area, people will keep calling you to do those types of cases. So, yeah. I don't know. It's, I'm workshopping it, I guess, but that's my resolution to get a good answer. Maybe we'll see in December if it reached uh, its equilibrium. It's, right? it's going to take you till December to, to, to decide. <laughs> well, I've got to test it out. It's like almost like a stand up comedian trying out new material. I see right. how it stays in a room because sometimes <laughs> you'll give an answer at a, you know, a cocktail party or an event or whatever, and right. then you read the reaction and they, they're either confused or they don't like it or they, they say, oh, I see. You're like, ah, oh, that didn't work. You know, like you told you something that they, they get it. Right. <laughs> right, right, right. Civil litigation. Okay. Uh, a whole year I mean, I case study. Huh? A whole year of case study. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. Fact, Jay, I did say once um, that sometimes I sue the city over a project and they say, oh, you're the NIMBY lawyer, meaning not in my backyard. I said, no, I'm not the guy who's suing the city over any new new construction. Like That's not all the cases that I do. I was trying to give one example of something. Right, right. But it's a, it's a, it is a wide variety of things, so it's hard to narrow it down to just one term. It's not like I can be like, well, I just do divorces or I do personal injury. You right. know, but if I had to try to find that common thread, I like the term high profile. Well, work with it. Start with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What about like community advocate lawyer? Right. High profile community cases. He wants the high profile in there. He's he's, <laughs> he's set on that on that. Yeah. Yeah. No, but community, that's a good one too. Yeah, I say community law. Like, well, what is that? So the thing is, there's always going to be a follow-up question. Well, what does that mean? Right? Well, it's you're going to have that anyway, though. I mean, well, not necessarily. If, if I said if I was a divorce lawyer, there would be no follow-up. I mean, maybe it might be, oh, how is that nowadays? But they they know what yeah, I'm yeah. talking about right away. You know, right. I kind of like what Jay said earlier, though. I don't know um, something about you uh, does this and then sues the city. But I don't Did always say that. Election law and sue the city, and I yeah yeah. Public, <laughs> I don't always public impact cases. It's not, always, it's not always about that. But then, if you're talking to somebody, they'll understand. Like it's like okay, like you're that that kind. Here's of the thing. Also, if you if you just say, "Oh, I sue the city," what they're going to think immediately is someone falls into a pothole or something like that, and there's some oh, right, 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 right. They're not thinking. Yeah. You know, they're coming in to provide the level of oversight that's needed, or that right, no, right. no one I don't think is thinking that unless you kind of lead them in that direction. What if you say so that's, uh, that's where the election law? That's why you, you start off with the election. Um, election law is about the ballot and, and sometimes recounts and things like that. Right. What about public impact law? That's interesting. Public mm -hmm. impact. That's still the kind of question where I think where it's going to be. It's going to be follow up. Well, well what is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. So it, it's difficult, right? I never used when I first started. I would hate get that question because I think the general public tends to think that lawyers are like doctors and that you have to only do one field, like one type of case. Like if you're a doctor, you know, maybe you're a podiatrist, you work with the feet. They think if you're a lawyer, you just get certified in that area. Like I could only do electrical, right. I could only do criminal, but that's not how the law works, right? You're a lawyer, 
You could do all types of cases. It's just well, yeah, but people specialize sometimes. You know what you can do? Yeah, you have here's the thing start. in New York, and it, it varies by state, but in New York, for instance, you can't even say that you specialize. Lawyers ethically cannot say that they um, specialize in something unless they're certified by the state in that area. That's like that's very rare. I don't even know if anyone who has that. That's not even really you know a big well, thing. You could. You've got your well, business most lawyers. Put it on your business card, and when they say, well, what kind of law do you practice? And be like, it's on the card. And then just walk away. <laughs> I'll tell you what's on the card. Yeah, that's a good point. And, actually, and then just walk away. Really be like, here, read the card. <laughs> if I can find the card. Yeah, here we go. It says attorney slash community leader. So the community word is already on there. That's right. what it is. It's, you know, okay. It's because that's what happens, right? Community, impact, community impact law or yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. So I think I, most lawyers find like a niche and just stick with it, right? Sometimes it it, it well, doesn't yeah. have to be that narrow, though. Well, that's kind of his his niche. Unless as well. you're um, who's the lawyer from The Godfather? Um, <laughs> yeah, then you do everything. <laughs> that's a niche. Well, it's kind of a niche, right? No, but election law is a big thing. But I do things beyond election law, right? So if it's a big election year like this year is supposed to be, I should have several candidates as clients or campaigns as clients or even you know political consulting firm or two as a client and that's a big portion of my work especially during campaign season but then outside of that i usually do several you know maybe not several but up to several other cases and they're usually high profile cases and big community impact cases as jay would describe them and that's a big part of my practice as well we also started doing wills and i've got an attorney right working for me who is in charge of that side of things and so that's something that's easy to describe right the community impact high profile suing the city sometimes sometimes suing the newspaper or someone else that's a little harder to describe i think in one or two clean words that everyone understands well you could just if you say community impact law or, or take on cases that affect the community or affect the mm, public mm. so it doesn't it doesn't say that you're doing like you right. said right. specific individuals it's something that Affects, you know. yeah, like public impact or something like that too. Even. Yeah, yeah. I got it, I got it. That's, that's a term that you hear. Uh, about, public interest. Yeah. Right. You can say you're like the Tom Hagen, and the people is your one client. What? Tom Hagen was the lawyer in Godfather. <laughs> he, wants, he wants to get that. The people is your client. <laughs> he wanted that Godfather reference. <laughs> yeah. What about Better Call Saul? He was doing all kinds of interesting things too. No, but he was like he had a niche. It was elder, like it was like elder law, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like accident law or something. Yeah, but it is uh, funny because even lawyers will ask you what kind of cases you do. I think it's just a natural question to ask lawyers, and lawyers sure. probably have a better understanding of it than the public might. But it, it's always interesting trying to find that good answer that doesn't lead to more confusion or you know what's that or you know it's funny because if someone is a real estate lawyer they can just say that and walk away right if i right. if i answer the question i'm there for like five more minutes trying to explain it <laughs> like i just need a good answer to this question right 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 all right well, but what do you the, consider your niche though like well, you had to... everything i said election law plus these high impact or high profile public impact community cases but they're still kind of broad. it's not criminal <laughs> Huh? That's kind of broad. Well, it is kind of broad. I do a lot of different things in that general area, though. Yeah. So. But it's civil cases, right? But that, right. especially people who aren't lawyers, they get confused when you say civil litigation, or maybe they've right. heard that term before, but they only apply it to what they know, right? So they might think right. that means personal injury or something like that. I don't do any of that. Right. So, yeah. But anyway, this is something we're going to workshop.
Yeah. Wait, that's well, it. Right. That's the only resolution. Yeah, this is my resolution. You got, yeah. you got a couple of uh, you got a couple of things there, so try to work it out. I'll draw out a few, and I'll, I'll, you know, I, I gauge the reactions. I see people's faces. I read the faces, and also the follow up questions. Right? I want you know, I want something where they get it, and they're like, "Oh, that's interesting." You know. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so. we'll work on that, and maybe maybe the next print of business cards will contain this new phrase that we've worked out. There we go. There we All go. right, so the poll question of the week. Let's put it out there to the people to see if they still have New Year's resolutions, right? Do you guys set a New Year's resolution or more every year, or do you just kind of set goals for yourself throughout the year? I know it's a big joke in society, right, how people set a resolution and then they drop them a couple of weeks in, right? Oh, I'm going to work out every day, and then by week three, I'm not going to the gym anymore, that kind of thing. So let's see. Do people still do it do our listeners and our viewers do you guys have a resolution so the poll question of the week is do you still set new year's resolutions for yourself yeah we'll see what what people have to you say you should throw in there like any suggestions they have they should you know throw it in there you know i might get a, a suggestion for resolutions for, for you yeah so yeah yeah other people <laughs> yeah yeah i'm still thinking about mine hmm <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe yeah. in the comments, people will say what their resolutions are, and then we can draw inspiration. Mm. Mm. That's what's up. That's what's up. So speaking of polls, we had a poll last week. We did have a poll last week. Um, and our poll last week was in uh, relation to the, the bill that's been moved and voted on in New York about uh, solitary confinement. Right. So the question was, do you agree with the New York City Council bill that would ban most forms of solitary confinement? So the bill went through um, where they were changing the way solitary worked. Um, people had to be guaranteed at least 14 hours of out of cell time. Um, and of course, solitary confinement can have all sorts of uh, psychological issues and it can also be applied disproportionately to different individuals uh, black and brown people who are more likely to be put in solitary confinement um so plus there's also the question of it being inhumane uh, so this poll this poll came out and so we had 69 percent said yes they agreed with the bill to ban most forms of solitary confinement, uh, twenty three percent said no, and eight percent said not sure. Okay. Um, there weren't a lot of comments this time around, but the ones that were on there were all on board with uh, with banning most forms of solitary confinement. What do you think, Isaac? Ah, you put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, oh, banning solitary confinement. Yes, yeah, so the New York City Council passed legislation that would ban most forms of solitary confinement in new york right what are they replacing it with well for one thing they want to add due process to it so they don't want to just put someone in the hole as they say they want to have right. a hearing and give the person a chance to essentially defend themselves and explain their side and then come up with the judgment so to speak as to whether they should be given that form of punishment and they also want to limit that punishment's use Right, broadly, right. right. And so as of now, they can just kind of throw someone in the hole. They, they won't want to be doing that as much. And so it's, it's much shorter periods and with this due process component. Well, right. I, I'm not too familiar with the jail, with jail, 
But I think if someone's going to like solitary confinement, that means like, you know, they did something severe and they need to be isolated and whatnot, right? Allegedly well, that's, that's, and generally, yes, that's the idea behind it. Yeah. That's the idea behind it, but it's right. not necessarily how it's being implemented. Uh, and I think even in this case, the um, they'd still retain the possibility to use solitary confinement for these very egregious cases, which I think is probably the original intent anyway. Um, but now it's it's probably being used a little bit more than it should be and for much more extended periods. And they're starting to understand the effects that it has on people. Right. So we talked about that last week. It might be even counterproductive, certainly right. if your goal is rehabilitation. But I know we've right. had this discussion on nuance before where society, especially in the U.S., largely abandoned the goal of rehabilitation. Right. So move towards punishment. Right, towards retribution. So what they're doing in the criminal justice system doesn't really, it's not even really designed to right. meet the goal of rehabilitation. And that's a problem. So I think people problem. still think of, I, I don't know, may, maybe I'm being optimistic, but I think broadly people think of jail and prison as a way for people to get rehabilitated, or at least that they should be when they come out. I think they want them to come out rehabilitated, even if they don't know what goes on on the inside. I think they think, okay, when someone is released back into society, they should be better somehow. But by well, doing you things that further traumatize them, you're not making it better. Right. So uh, Isaac still didn't uh, give his... Give his uh, I'm just... <laughs> I don't see what they're replacing it with. I just think there's... Um, like You just can't take something away and then um you know just just to take it away well that's that's I the think same there's a reason argument. why it that's was created in the first place that's the same I mean, obviously it could be better slavery um, jay yeah it's the same argument the southern the southern plantation owner said you can't just take slavery away without replacing it with something better you take away something if it's wrong regardless of what because oh, it's wrong no but the the system is <laughs> isn't it like if you're in jail you do something um, you know, bad. What's the other option? You know, like the well, no, they're still in prison. They're still in prison. Huh? Yeah, they're, they're still in prison. They're not gonna like let them go. They're still in prison. It's just in prison for for things they do inside the prison. They put them in a the solitary confinement. They're taking away. They want to ban most forms I, of. Yeah, I, I get where Isaac is going because he's saying, all right, they're in prison, and now basically you have this society of of sorts within the prison. Right. What happens if someone in the prison is bad or, or worse, if you want to call it that, than the other yeah. prison? Right? And then what do you do? Within the confines of the prison, yeah. then is there any way to regulate that? Or is it just going to be a free-for-all and you can just start going wild, wild yeah. in there because you're already in prison? So I understand what he means by that. But, you know, here's something else. And I don't know if this is really always going to be effective. You can still charge someone with another crime, even if they're yeah. up, and that could add on to their sentence, right? It can right. do certain things. But then you're, now it's like longer sentences, you know, everything you do, like, they just added, you know, more right. sentences. You're, you're right. And also, if someone has life, they don't care, right? They all oh, you can add on a yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Well, then, I mean, they still would have things like lockdowns where they, they have to be in their cell. It's just uh, the thing with solitary is you're you're cutting off all kind of sensory input, physical contact, human contact, you know, and and psychologically that can be very damaging um, on people. Uh, no no air, no fresh air, no. I mean, right. There's an argument that it's cruel and unusual punishment in violation. Right. Now here's right. we're supposed to have protection against that. Right. You know, it's funny when I was working in the Senate, they actually had I posted it on my 
on my social media too back in 2016. You guys can check if you want to scroll back that far. But uh, maybe you can just search and, and it'll, it'll come up. In <laughs> Albany, they had a mock cell that they mm. wanted legislators and staff and just people who were working in the Capitol to go in there and experience what it's like. Now, you know, people wouldn't be in there for too long, but you can go in there and lock yourself up in that for an hour or something like that just to see what it's like to be in solitary confinement, to, to get I a think it's taste good. of it. You know, I think it's good. I think anybody that's making these decisions um, should have that experience so that they know what it is that they're actually um, putting on people. Yeah, I think it's I think, it, I think it sounds good to me. Yeah, no, I thought that was striking to see. Right. You're going back and forth, yeah. walking between your office and the Capitol, get ready to do the votes. And here it is. Boom. A big cell with information on what it's about and it's like whoa it, it does even if you don't go in it and lock yourself in there it does send a message right like you know here's here's a solitary cell this is what it's like this is you know and, and like you said it's like bringing some reality a dose of reality to the work right because it, it is true that when you're doing the work these ideas can become very abstract when you're in right nature right you're writing these bills or negotiating these bills should we have more solitary confinement whatever it, it doesn't it touch you when you're it just because right. a job at a certain point you're going back and forth from your office to the floor and you're voting you're negotiating you have these agendas you're trying to get people on your side but it, it's not real it's not tangible unless it's made tangible you know and and that's what i think is is part of the the issue now we've talked about it in a number of times where i i think people uh in those positions especially elective officials and uh, police should be held to a higher standard because it's it's not a just a job; it's a responsibility, and people need to take it in, in that way. And like you said, you get it becomes routine, um, and so you know it's like think about like when you first start learning to drive, right? Right. That that when you first learn to drive, you first get your license. You're on like ten and two, and you're you're sitting up straight, and and you're looking around. You're doing all that. And then, yeah, then like about a month later, two months later, like you got a burrito on one hand, you're steering with your knee like on your phone. So you start to lose, you know, it becomes routine at that point. And in those positions, I don't think it should become routine and any kind of reminder um, should be helpful. All right. So let me give you guys a similar example. So I think um, with kids, they're saying detention is bad. So they kind of, you know, got rid of the whole detention what? system. But now what they're doing is um, they take away recess from the kids. Recess. Yes. Yeah. So if you're bad, instead of detention, you know, you don't get to go out for recess. Well, where uh, what do you, do you think of that? And it sounds like it's still detention. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, where do you go? What do you do when people are? At well, which recess? one is which one's worse? It's the same thing. Well, detention is you're just sitting, you know, like sitting in a room or, you know, the office or whatever. Whereas, like, if your recess taken away, you're like just in the classroom, basically. Right. In the classroom alone or away from everyone. Or with, like, you know, other people, other bad people. (laughs) Yeah. It's detention. That's to me, that's just like, was it uh, moving around pieces in the same area? It's, it's like you're not doing anything different. It's just somebody, somebody felt a little touchy feely and kumbaya, and like, oh, we want to take away detention and do something. Like, like, it's the same thing. Well, I mean, that's kind of a similar situation though with the whole taking away the solitary confinement. Because I'm sure something else will come, which will be pretty similar 
you know, similar. Well, I, I, don't, I don't think so because we've solitary confinement has very real psychological consequences and, and it taking away detention or having detention doesn't have to have that. Like it's not really, and to be this, honest, I think it's, it's not, it's, it's just, it's the same or even worse because I mean, you're taking away, you know, recesses are like the time for a child to kind of go out and kind of let out all the, you know, energy out. But now you're saying, you know, if they're bad, you know, if they have all this energy, oh. they just can't control. Now no, I, I, agree. I agree. That can be psychologically yeah. damaging as well, but I wouldn't compare it to solitary confinement with that. Dust. No. I think that's a different level entirely. But okay. I hear what yeah, you're saying, yeah. but it could maybe hurt a child's development, right? A little bit. I don't know yeah. if it hurt their development. They would probably feel a little bit. A, a, they feel some kind of way that day, but I mean, ultimately, <laughs> recess is, oh, hold on recess is over. Ray, recess is over in like another forty-five minutes, and then everything is back. Them fresh air, though. You're not letting them get a break, a breather. You know, you're posing some other kind of penalty. Maybe you're making them study longer, whatever it is. But you're not giving them that break. What if then it affects their performance in the classes for the rest of the day, and they fall behind their classes? And you know, nah, I don't buy that. that. I don't. I don't buy that. <laughs> <laughs> I agree not on the same level. But yeah, really, really, quick, really quick, though, because I don't want to go too long here, but I do want to get, Isaac, your thought on the due process component of this, because the mayor says something controversial about this, in my estimation, at least. I think it should be controversial if it isn't. But he said that basically we shouldn't care about the due process aspect because the people that we're talking about are inmates. And so he said that, look, you know, people who commit assaults in in jail or in prison, um, it's it's inmates, people who are already convicted of crimes, assaulting other people um, who themselves were convicted of crimes. And so we shouldn't care about it. He says, you just you know, put, put them in solitary, do what you got to do. But we don't need to give them due process because it's inmate on inmate crime. Essentially, that's how I read his statement. Uh, what do you think about right, that? So, so that I don't agree with that one. I, I yeah, I do not right. agree with that. Yeah. So I think I mean you shouldn't just treat them as animals because right. you know they're they're, right. know, they're in jail. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. Okay. Right. Yeah. That yeah. Was, I mean. Yeah. That, that I that kind of I don't want to say it triggered me, but I read that statement, that quote that he gave, and I was triggered. Like, yeah, I, I didn't like that. I just didn't like it. I'm gonna rubbed you the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah. It does. It's not something that you want to. It's not a. Uh, it's not something you want to hear from an elected official, right? You don't want that sort of mentality by someone who's making these critical decisions for for humans. I don't, like, I don't want anyone to say that, right? Like, it basically, it shouldn't matter why you're trying to protect these people. You know, you know his point was that the, the victims in this are themselves criminals, and so who cares? Right. That's what he was saying. Yeah, no, yeah. And as You know what? As a lawyer, that offends me, too, because we still do have rights, and I know... Right. Constitutional rights are restricted, right, in that circumstance, right? When someone right. is convicted, of course, they don't retain all of their rights as if they were on the outside. No, they lose their freedom. They lose a lot. But yeah. you don't throw out the entire Constitution either. And so I think you have to be sensitive of these things. Right. Yeah. So, all right. I want to move on. We're not going to get to everything because we went long, which is fine. We had some good discussions here. I do want to talk briefly about the brief that was filed. This is a follow up from the last discussion we had about whether Trump can be on the ballot. We know that courts and in at least one case, the secretary of state of the state decided that he should not be on the ballot due to his 
violation of, well, I don't know if violation is the correct term, but due to his, his engaging in insurrection, right? The 14th Amendment has a provision in it saying that if you engaged in insurrection after having previously taken an oath of office to the U.S., you cannot be a candidate or you cannot serve as an enlists offices that you can't serve as, and it also has this catch-all provision, any office under the U.S. And so that has been interpreted now by a few different states as Trump cannot be on the ballot for president, right? That has been appealed as we knew it would. Trump has appealed it. What's interesting about this is we talked about last week how this might be decided. When this goes to the Supreme Court, what reasoning might they use? How might they rule on this? Not simply the result, because I think we all kind of agree that the result would be he could be on the ballot. But how would they get to that conclusion and, and what analysis would they use? So according to this brief that Trump's lawyers filed, it's really fascinating to me. How much time do you think he spent on whether he's an insurrectionist versus how much time do you think he spent on the procedural part and the technical part? The lawyer? Yeah, in the brief. Trump's lawyer in their, in their brief to the Supreme Court, in their legal argument to the court. Because there are two parts of this, right? We said that the 14th Amendment says if you engage in insurrection, you know, then you're disqualified from holding these offices. And so one part of it is, well, did he engage in insurrection? And the other part of it is, well, does president count under these offices and then the technical parts as to basically whether he did the insurrection or not, should he still be disqualified? So you can kind of cut it in half. How much if time it was, do you think they spent on the insurrection part versus the other parts? If it were if it were Trump making the argument, I would think that he would spend, <laughs> I would think he would spend more time on questioning whether or not he did the insurrection or not. Okay. So if he was if he was directing the legal team on the mm -hmm. route to go, I would think that's the route that he would go. He wouldn't try to go because he wouldn't try to go the technical argument because it wouldn't that wouldn't come to him. Right. He would go with well, did, I, <laughs> right. did I did I really commit right. insurrection or right, was right. it you know it's like, like that's, the, no, it's, that's actually a, a very good point. It's like the comedians you see because you know as a lawyer I pick up on this. Oftentimes you'll see comedians talk about, oh, they did that shit, they didn't do that shit, and they, they kind of reduce the whole trial or court case to whether they did it or not, disregarding right. the entire law and about, well, it's still a burden that needs to be reached, and where they satisfy beyond a reasonable doubt, and you know, they, they disregard all that, they did that shit, that's always the, right, the, the the crux of it. And so you're saying that's basically what Trump would reduce it to. He wouldn't even look at the constitutional provisions or the law or the procedure or any of that he stuff. Doesn't know just, those I didn't do that shit, right? He doesn't even know those things. <laughs> right. And, and he would that's exactly how he would go, because he would still the thing is, he would still be trying to make a justification to why he's right, no matter what it is. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter what the, the law and the tech, the procedures and any of that, because that's that's technical things. It's it's about whether or not I am right. And that's that's, you know. That's all that he thinks about. And in his mind, he's right no matter what. And he'll make up arguments or reasons why that's the case. Well, I couldn't have I couldn't have participated in insurrection. I was the president. So nothing applies to me. So I can do whatever, you know, right. he'll make up any kind of thing or what I didn't. I didn't tell them to specifically do that just because I might have tweeted some support. Yeah. I didn't. So do you, do you know, did you see me press the button to do that? Maybe it was a a, a hack. I do, you know, like that's how he would go with. I keep in mind though that 
he is not directing the legal argument. His lawyers are doing that. But it would keep in mind that many lawyers have left his legal defense <laughs> right. because right. of having to deal with him. Right. And so I think he's got more hands in the case than he probably should, because mm-hmm. if you left it to the lawyers, they probably make a better argument than mm-hmm. without his input than they would with his input. I remember when we acted out that indictment on here and he was asking <laughs> earlier, he was like, uh, what would happen if we just ignored their subpoenas altogether? Or what if we moved the boxes? Right. You know, he was just asking them, like, what if? So, right. you know. Yeah. I think. What do you think I- yeah, go ahead. Well, I, I actually kind of knows already the answer to this. Oh, okay. I was with him earlier, but what are your general thoughts on this? Do you have any? Are you, are you, are you just not going to say anything, Isaac? Isaac, Isaac tries Wait, not what, to me? position. He tried not to You already told me, so I can't. I feel like <laughs> if I answer. <laughs> All right. So I guess we cut to the chase here. This, I think, is going to basically tell us what the Supreme Court is going to do in terms of what they're going to be focusing on in their decision, right? Because the Trump brief is broken down into, of course, whether he's an insurrectionist and also whether he should be on the ballot, regardless of whether he's an insurrectionist. The section devoted to whether he's an insurrectionist is one sentence. Mm. And the sentence is, I did not engage in insurrection. That's it. The entire brief, aside from that sentence, is about basically it doesn't matter whether he's an insurrectionist or not. He should still be on the ballot because of these reasons. Partly ones that we discussed already on here, right? The president doesn't count under their view as an office under the U.S. And they said, you know, it's the same kind of points how we discussed other courts also have, have touched on this, that the amendment talks about presidential electors, vice presidential electors, senators, congressmen. It doesn't say president on there. And they're saying it should. Right. If that was the intent for president to be barred, it would have been in there. So that's part of it. There's also a point that the states can't make this decision. They're saying that Congress would have to actually enact legislation setting the parameters of this, enacting it. What are the terms of the amendment? Right. Yeah, I don't buy that argument because it's still federal law. It's the amendment and states right. have to rule and, and, and act in accordance with the federal law, especially in accordance with the Constitution. And so, you know, if the state determines that he engaged in this behavior that would disqualify someone from office under the amendment, my my interpretation and understanding of that is that he would be barred from the office. Of course, the Supreme Court would have the last word on it. But, you know, I personally don't favor the argument that it only counts if Congress passes a law specifically to enforce it. I think if in the absence of such a law, the states are free to interpret the amendment as it's written. So that's what the brief is, right? The brief is not arguing for pages and pages or even paragraphs about whether he's an insurrectionist or not. One sentence, nope, not an insurrectionist, which maybe is is kind of on point with what you were saying, right? Because he just thinks he's above the law. And so he's going to have to explain himself. His his explanation is, nope, I didn't do it. I ain't, nope, nope, sorry, nope, eh, and that's it. No, no explanation needed, right? But the lawyers then come in and, and they really argue this point on the procedure and on the... Right. What you might call the technical points of it, right? The finer points of whether the amendment and uh, you know the law as it currently stands would allow the states to bar him from running, whether or not he's an insurrectionist. And so I say all this to say, given what the brief is, I think it's highly likely. I think this is a, a very strong signal to everyone that that's how the decision is going to be. It's not going to be about whether he's an insurrectionist. It's going to be about whether the amendment bars him from running or not as it stands. Right. And I think that's that's something that's going to um, 
it's a it, i mean for for him it's a better argument than to try to to go the other route and probably he's actually finally listening to to the lawyers that remain <laughs> yeah. yeah but um because yeah. it, it kind of it kind of puts it in kind of a quagmire of different interpretations mm -hmm. right whereas whereas the other route there's just so much blatant documented evidence that he participated from his right. tweet from Not his from the voicemails from you know and, right and then it litigates all that very publicly again like it just it keeps right. it forefront and, and makes it bubble up more to the surface and comes out more and it's, it's right. creates more discussion around that he has, they don't right. want the discussion to be about that they want it to be about these kind of more obscure legal points that are going to go over most people's heads right even for myself right. as someone who, who studies the constitution is really into constitutional law it's still kind of confusing and obscure and quite honestly there's not a lot of precedent on this right right so the supreme court is kind of afraid to do what they wish with it and i think and the problem is headed i think that the, the biggest problem of this is that you just mentioned precedent the yeah. precedent that this is going to set right if he gets put back on the ballot right for being able to to cause insurrection and and for there not to be any sort of accountability or right. any sort of recourse that right. is going to be one of the more dangerous points of this right because if this goes the way we foresee it going the decision is going to be essentially it doesn't matter whether you did insurrection or not you cannot right. be barred from the office of president under the constitution as it stands meaning anyone could in theory engage in insurrection and not be barred from the office right and that that is incredibly dangerous right right because that means someone someone who's had the mindset of insurrection or overthrowing the government or whatever it is has the potential to take the highest office in the land that's that's quite dangerous yeah yeah well the voters should get the last say on this um you know if he is restored to the ballot hopefully the voters will be that final line of defense and have the last word the bottom line on this uh, so for tonight's episode see the segue here isaac uh -oh. give you the bottom line so what would you like to wrap up it doesn't have to be what we discussed it just what is the bottom line on this first nuance of 2024. um <laughs> no it's been great i haven't done this in a while like it's great you know like having uh, these kind of conversations and i definitely think you know a conversation like this should be had, you know, in a civil manner, and uh, people's opinions should uh, should matter. You know, it shouldn't just be like a one, you know, one mind thing track. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, you know, in 20, 2024, that should be like so. Most people's goals to kind of have opinions and express themselves. Okay, okay, I like that. So there you go. Some resolutions. Maybe you you figured out what your resolution might be. I don't know. Yeah, to have more. I, I'm already doing that. <laughs> have more civil and nuanced conversations. <laughs> right, right, right. Express your yeah. opinions and give space for others to express theirs. Right, and yeah, yeah. have these conversations. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And Jay, no, find us. They can find us all over. Uh, find us on YouTube and Instagram at Nuance Show and. Uh, Drop in, watch, listen, leave some comments, uh, hateful comments or supportive comments, doesn't matter. Uh, anywhere podcasts are, Apple Music, Spotify, 
wherever your your favorite podcast thing is at. So, yeah, come in, check us out, subscribe, and all that. Yes. Thank you all. As always, we've got work to do, and we'll catch you next time. Have a good night. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.